This week on the Clubhouse, our pilgrimage to complete Anthony's 30 stadium tour hits a little bit of a snag. Our trip to Kansas City is interrupted by our first rain delay. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to our last road trip shows, I recommend you start with episode 16 so you can follow along from ballpark to ballpark. Our trip to Kansas City would not be complete without stopping by the Negro League museums, but more on that later. This episode was recorded in our seats at Kauffman Stadium and in our rental car as we headed back to Chicago for a little R&R. We are almost entering our eighth hour at Kauffman Stadium today. We we got here around 4, 4.30, and we hung out in the parking lot. And after a two-hour rain delay, this game is now in the eighth inning. But it's been a fast-moving game. Whoa! Wade Davis is currently on the mound doing what Wade Davis does, and that is just making fools out of hitters. Oh. But, uh, Anthony, we've now spent the better part of our day here at Kauffman Stadium. What are your thoughts? Um, it's a really fun place to watch a baseball game. And the, the crowd really is fantastic. And I, I don't think it's like a beautiful park, but there's something about the way that it's this weird, almost like a horseshoe-shaped feeling. And at first I wasn't sure what that was going to be like to sit in it, but it feels like it feels like the energy is all kind of really driving right toward the field in a really interesting, in a cool way. I feel very, very, I don't know. It's 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 a powerful crowd feeling here, um, and the yeah. So that's that's been a nice thing about this. Part. Well, when we drove in, you know, you uh, we actually ended up staying in a hotel about two minutes, uh, two minute walk away from Kauffman Stadium. So we drove by the, the back of it. And you can see from the highway, you can see the big crown, the back of the big crown scoreboard, and you can see inside the park from the highway. And I think you were really taken aback because I think you're right. You were expecting it. You said it almost looked like a football field from the highway. Does it, but now that you're sitting in here, how does it feel? The energies are, are, are towards the, the, the field, but does this feel like a baseball park to you? Well, the, the not it doesn't really feel like any other baseball park that we've been to. So sure, that could be a good thing though. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just no. I, so I'm not sure it feels like a baseball stadium in a way, but it's certainly the the, but the you know the the field feels like a nice baseball field. Well, so but, one of the things that I had brought up, um, which I've said over and over again, uh, you know, when I was on my 30 stadium tour, people always ask me what's your favorite stadium, blah blah blah. I always say for kids under the age of 10, Kauffman Stadium is by a country mile, the best ballpark. If you got kids who can't sit through a three-hour game, bring in a Kaufman because the mini golf and the fountains to play in and the, they have so much great things for kids here. And it shows because every time I've come to Kaufman Stadium, I am surrounded by kids, whether they're under the age of 10 or in their teens or even in their 20s. You know, we were tailgating a bit before the game, which just, I had so much fun. I mean, I got a free hot dog. A family gave me a free hot dog. I got some free beads that I'm wearing. Um, I got uh, some free water and some great free conversation from people of all ages out there. And 
despite the fact that I'm currently wearing my Detroit Tigers cap, people are insanely nice, insanely friendly, so sweet. I really do love these fans. When I, you I, say something like insanely nice, it makes me think like, hi, I'm so nice and I'm gonna be like really nice to you. Uh-oh, Wade Davis, did he just give up a base hit? Oh my goodness. Yeah, extra base An hit. Extra base hit. Oh, must be something wrong with him. Because Wade Davis does not do that. We are just looking, and as of this recording, Wade Davis' ERA is a paltry .24, which I'm sure by the time you listen to it, it'll be like a .08. But, um, so, uh, that is, that's a little bit of my Tigers coming out there, my Tigers' uh, jealousy coming out there. It'd be nice to have a good bullpen. But, um... No, I, I just think that everyone is 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 very very nice. Here. So you're right. Maybe insanely nice does evoke kind of a manic type of nice. Yeah, I'm so nice. Yes. No. So they're not insanely nice. They are just overwhelmingly nice. But even that's overbearing. They're just nice. Yes. They're just really nice. <laughs> unusually be, nice. Unusually nice. Or, you know. Because yeah. uh, once again, especially because I do have a tiger's hat on, I get a little raz in here and there. But like I said, people give me free food, and drinks, and beads in the parking lot despite wearing the hat of an enemy. Um. What? Um, I was gonna. You mentioned the mini golf. I mean, that that's a very, very nice little kids area. It's like really, really, really well done. There's an area where they can like get pitched to and swinging with a little plastic bat. They have a little then, mini field. No they matter, have a little mini no K field. What happens to them? They can the the guy that said run the bases and they run around the bases. It's really cute and it's really sweet. So I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and uh, they have this huge, crazy vertical scoreboard in the middle. But it's. I mean, it's. It's fine, you know, the, the, there's a little too much uh, the music in between, like riling up the crowd music, because the crowd is plenty riled up here. They don't need to. Yeah, you can hear the crowd. They are, they are into pretty much every single pitch, so you don't need to tell everyone to clap their hands between every single pitch, which actually seems like it's gone down at, which it's happening now. Well, but. They do it more on their at-bats, I think, than against the other teams at-bats. This is true. Uh, and they also do have some funny little clips. They've got the finish him clip from Mortal Kombat whenever there's two strikes on somebody, which is comical. Well, they didn't do it just now, though. It's interesting. Maybe Mr. Davis does not like to be told to finish them. He wants to do it himself. Ooh. The crowd thought that was a finish him. But uh, there was one other thing. It's, but we've been here so long, I think you forgot your favorite part of Kauffman Stadium so far, which we mentioned earlier. You said the... the, the uh, oh, the statues. There you go. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a couple of the best statues we've seen in, in all the ballparks. There was uh, one of the... Their, their manager that won them the World Series. Um, what's his name again? Hosmer, Hosner? Ho, Ho, I'm blanking on his name Holberg, too. You just killed him. I'll put it on the clubhousepodcast.com show notes. I apologize. Notes. May rest in peace. Um, but it's just a great statue of him, like standing on the top step of the dugout. It just, it just feels like a human being captured in a sculpture. You know, it's like, it's representative, but it's, you know, it's not cartoonish. It's, it looks really, really alive. And uh, the George Brett statue, you know, it's just, they did a great job with that. But I will say with the statues and in their Hall of Fame, which is a, you know, pretty well done Hall of Fame that they have here at the ballpark. They have a little bit of a thing that they're doing that I, you know, I, I just, they're just, they lay it on a little you thick with their eight. captioning. The so, you know, most places small. where you see a statue or Hall of Fame, they'll just have like a little thing about played the most, the most games as a Royal or they play, you know, they, they lead the, they lead the Royals in hits and runs and whatever, whatever. They just basically list their stats and list their name. That's really all you need in a statue or a Hall of Fame like that. 
they, they, but they, here it's always like, it was one of the best second basemen of all time, and is a hometown hero, and well, the, the Royals love him, and everybody in Kansas City is a huge fan. And they really integrate Kansas City, like so. So they they have a great Hall of Fame here at Kauffman Stadium, where this wonderful gentleman uh, who uh, he gave me his card, and when we're in the car, I'll make sure to give him a plug. But uh, he dresses in old timey baseball gear and teaches you kind of all about the history of baseball in Kansas City, which is a lot richer than I think a lot of people would assume. I think the stat he told us was that um, while although 1% of Major League Baseball players make it to the Hall of Fame, 18% of current Hall of Fame players have some connection to the city of Kansas City, whether it would be playing in a Negro League or playing in uh, uh, for the Kansas City Blues or the Monarchs or the Royals or just a, a laundry list of the pack or the Packers or just a laundry list of, of uh, professional Kansas City baseball teams. Um, but yes, they do at the end of the day lay it on a bit thick with the he was the most you know he brought Kansas City together and Kansas Cityans loved this blah 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 blah. It's I'm with Anthony. It's at a certain point let the numbers speak for themselves. You know I think it's a little more impressive when you're not having to convince us how perfect of a person you are. Yeah, and I mean because everybody knows that I mean everybody feels that way already. Oh, here we go. Finish him. I'm not sure if you can hear that, but there was a giggle and a finish him as Wade Davis gets two strikes on pinch hitter Justin Smoke. Um, so yeah, I have a feeling if he gets out of this, we're going to hear a huge, huge, huge cheer from this crowd because it's a great baseball crowd. So, I mean, yeah, it's, this it feels like... Um, there we go. Ground out to first. Huge crowd. Huge cheer. They are standing on their feet for Wade Davis. Um, it's funny. It kind of feels like, I mean, this this was like a refurbished or or augmented. Yes, five, and, uh, yeah, so this is the original stadium. They did some refurbishments, but then five years ago, before the All Star Game, they even did another round of uh, 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 renovations. So it really does feel like a new ballpark, even though it's pretty old. But it does feel like, in other ways, it feels also like an old ballpark, like not an old, but like the '70s. It's sort of like the '70s and and now sort of mish, mixed together a little bit, and not sure. in a bad way, but just sort of like it. In that way, it just feels like. It doesn't feel like any of the other ballparks. And in a way, it almost kind of still feels like, I guess it, in the way that the uh, Rogers Center in Toronto. Really? It feels modern. I don't mean the feeling of being, but like the the concrete of, you know, the fact that it's concrete on the outside, the Rogers sure, Center sure, is concrete sure. on the outside. You know, like that's the closest person, like the closest in, in a certain sense. But it doesn't feel that way in the stadium as much. Because okay. Because they don't. But there's like a little, bit of, a little bit of that modern that you know late 20th century concrete thing okay well see to me uh, that's it i'm gonna have to think about that a little bit more sorry folks for those of you who can hear in the background they are doing the uh the wonderful kiss cam so there's all the great reactions from folks but to me actually from the outside looking in i get the sense it reminds me a little bit of dodger stadium when you're walking the parking lot of a, in and uh 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 chavez ravine there and you see the the dodger scoreboard that looks into the park I get the same sense of, of uh, this outside, but... Yeah, but that's also a similar era. That's yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that, that the Rogers Center one is... I'm going to have to think about that. That's an interesting comparison. When we are when we leave here, I'll make sure to kind of take a look and, and see. But there's a big ovation for a nice 
older couple giving themselves nice spoochy on the uh, on the camera. Everybody always loves that. But I like so. I, I mean, we'll talk a little bit more in the car because we did spend also several hours today in the Negro Leagues uh, Museum, which was just surreal. I mean, I I could probably spend a week just in that ballpark. I'm uh, in that ballpark in that museum. But uh, starting getting distracted because now there's all sorts of music and frivolity happening everywhere in this ballpark. My ADHD doesn't do well with all this. Too many graphics. But so, ladies and gentlemen, um, we will uh, see you when we are sitting in the car driving back to Chicago. We're actually going to drive back to Chicago for just a couple of days. But the next live baseball game that you and I are attending is what? The All-Star Game. We are very, very excited to attend the All-Star Game in Cincinnati. So, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you in the car in about 30 seconds. See you in a bit. Thanks to the baseball gods, the game was indeed played, and Anthony's 30-stadium tour is safe for now. Back in our rental car, we recap our visit to Kauffman Stadium. We go off on a little bit of a tangent as we debate what it means to be a fanboy and how that affects your appreciation of your rival team's historic moments. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We are currently driving from Kansas City to Chicago, Illinois, back to Chicago for a couple of days, take a little bit of a breather from our road trip before heading back out to the All-Star Game. We are on, what is this, 55 North? 55 North. It's a very special road for someone in this car. Well, it's special because it's the road we're gonna go through Joliet, J-Town which is my uh, hometown. I was born in Chicago, but grew up in Joliet for most of my life, um, of my uh, my childhood and adolescence, I should say. I've actually lived in New York now for most of my life, mathematically speaking. Uh, so we're gonna go right through the heart of Joliet. 55 goes right through. We're gonna pass the Joliet, Louis Joliet Mall, which we might want to, uh, no, we don't want to, because it's just weird memories. Oh, I was gonna say, I would love to stop by and kind of see the old stomping grounds of Mr. Anthony Rapp. But, the one thing that they used to have that would make me sad they don't have anymore is my favorite video game arcade where I would play oh. arcade games for, you know, hours. Because in Joliet, there wasn't anything more to do <laughs> or very little else to do. Um, so, you know, I, uh, there's a Toys R Us there. I mean, it's like that's where I would, I would go to Toys R Us. I would go to the Louis <laughs> Joliet Mall. And uh, I don't know many other things I would do. Did you ever work in the mall, or did you, are there any stores there that you did kind of summer jobs at that might still be around? No, I worked in the other mall, the Jefferson Mall, which I don't even know if that exists anymore, because um, that was like the first mall, and then the Louis, jo Louis Joliet Mall came came along and supplanted it. And Louis Joliet, who, uh, for those of you who may not know, was was one of those explorer types, and that's why we have the name Joliet. It was probably it was actually Joliet would be his real pronunciation <laughs> of his name, but. As with most things in America, we we ruin the actual <laughs> pronunciations of things. We're a very phonetic country. We like to just, we see the words, we say the words, it is what it is. Um, but I'm very excited to drive through Joliet and kind of see, even for, for a brief moment, what, you know, where we can thank for bringing the great Anthony Rapp to this world. Uh, <laughs> I want to do, I want to talk a little bit though about uh, Kansas City last night and the fact that we had a two-hour rain delay, which I was very happy that they got the game in uh, so that we could actually watch the game at the beautiful Kauffman Stadium. But this was our first rain delay of our little tour here. 
What do you th- what are your thoughts on on rain delays in general? Do you like them? Do you not like them? Are they fun for you? Do you get to what do you like to do during a rain delay? I, I never thought I don't. I've never been to a park with a rain delay, as far as I remember. No, maybe, really. Maybe one other one. Really. Um. Because so is this the longest rain delay that you you've ever been to in your life? Yes. Wow. So I don't I don't care. I mean, okay. Well, there's things you can do during a rain delay. I mean, what did we, we, I mean, we had fun. This was a great park for a rain delay to happen in because we were able to, which we initially were going to skip because we didn't have time. But in the Hall of Fame, they have this 17 minute long uh, video of kind of the history of Kansas City baseball. And, uh, oh, you know what? I forgot to grab, uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but the gentleman's name, uh, I have his card who dresses in old timey baseball gear and you know, teaches you all about Kansas baseball that I promise you guys I'd tell you the name of. I once again forgot and I'm driving and I don't have access to my wallet. But... Uh, excuses, excuses! It'll be in the show notes at clubhousepodcast.com. That's just my way of getting people to go and check out the show notes that I painstakingly create every week. But uh, I think that this is a really great park for a rain delay because it gives you time to explore a little more, talk to some more of the local fans, you know, hear about the teams and how they're doing. Well, what do you think about the video inside the Hall of Fame? I thought it was way better. I mean, the, I guess the only other video that we saw was the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame meta video. Um, it was, it was, it was way better than I would have anticipated, given the, how rah rah all the rest of their Hall of Fame stuff was. That the video was, I mean, it's you know, a video in a Hall of Fame should be celebratory of the history of a franchise, but they also showed some of the tough moments in the history of the franchise. They had all sorts of people, uh, you know, talk like giving good human interviews about what it was like to participate good and bad. I mean, it was just, it was, a, it just felt like a much more well-rounded depiction of the full history of, of, of Kansas City baseball, as opposed to like Cincinnati Reds <laughs> video, which was literally like, this was the greatest world series everyone alive or dead has ever seen. You know, it just wasn't as much of that. So, uh, and then it was able to culminate in the incredible undefeated run up to the World Series that the that the Kansas City Royals had last year in the in the postseason. Um, although, interestingly, they neglected in any way to uh, to say, but then they lost in Game Seven of the World Series, which, of course, you want to go on a high note. But I still feel like there's a way that they could tell that story also. As, as an acknowledgement of an incredible season, an incredible return of the World Series to Kansas City, even with the loss, it still it was such a breakthrough after 29 years of not being in the postseason to all, make it all the way to the World Series to a Game 7 with the tying run on third base. I mean, these are incredible stories that... Sorry, Royals fans, for forcing you to relive that, that painstakingly beautiful recreation of your lowest moment uh, of last season. But I consider, I mean, yes, of course, it's a low moment, but it's also an incredible moment. Absolutely. I, I do not disagree with you that, I mean, I, I think I knew it was coming a mile away when they were doing, and they did a pheno- phenomenal job of, there was no narration during this part. They just let the highlights and the and the uh, broadcasters tell the story of, uh, the the Royals' magical playoff run in 2014, but I could feel it coming as oh they're they're, they're ending it with a pennant. They're not the Giants aren't even going to appear in this thing, which I actually am, I don't have that big of a problem with. Mainly because in my world, I do feel like winning the pennant is I'm not going to say as important as winning the World Series, but it is it is such a 
more so than any other sport where you win your division or you win your conference or you win your whatever. Winning the pennant to me, when, when the Tigers in 2006, 2012 won the pennant, I was so happy. Now, they did not go on to win the World Series, so I'm not sure how I would have felt then. I can't imagine how I could have felt happier for them or more proud of them than I did the moment they won that pennant. And so I do appreciate and understand why that is such a, a beautiful moment that it does almost overshadow. The happiness of winning that pennant is almost greater than the appreciation and the joy that you can get of making it to the seventh game of the World Series and realizing it. But I think you're right. I think there is, there could have been a very artful way and beautiful way of telling that story in a way of saying, and after 29 years, they make the postseason with this magical run and they just came up a, a hair short, but this team is going to persevere and thrive and they'll be back again soon and they will conquer that demon uh, pretty soon. Uh, but I, I, I you have so you got you got your tongue stuck in your mouth because you can't stand the idea that the Royals are doing this against your Tigers. Yes, yes, yes. Really except, not true. Yeah, not true. Uh, really not except true. Except you say all the time about how much you hate the Royals and no. how much how hard a time you have with the Royals being good. You yeah. said it. You you hypocrite. I'm in no way, shape, or form a hypocrite. You sat with me in Coffin Stadium for eight hours. And aside from a couple of funny little comedic... That's not the same thing. No, no. No, that's not the Hold same on. thing. You rooted for the home team. It's, that's not the same thing as Nabi. It's not, <laughs> even, it's not even It's not even about rooting for the home team. Never mind. Do I get annoyed with the Royals? Yes, of course. As, as a Tigers fan, yes. As a baseball fan, independent of the Tigers stuff, as a baseball fan, do I appreciate that fan base and that team? What have I told you a thousand times? I adore Salvi. I love Salvi Perez. He is amazing. I really, really enjoy Kane. I really, there's a lot of guys on that team that I like. Their fans have, you know, this actually brings me to a great point. I'm going to admit something that I have been doing wrong throughout the 2015 season. I have been, uh, negatively speaking is not the right way to, I've, I've been hard on some of the Royals fans post-2014 and post uh, their World Series run, thinking that they've been a little bit obnoxious, a little bit whatever. I need to make an addendum to that and apologize because it is the online Royals fan and a small section of the online Royals fans that, are, that have been getting under my skin. And as always in life, the internet tends to bring out bad things in people. And now for the second time, I had such a ridiculously good time at Kauffman Stadium in the parking lot. I, mean, I spent two and a half hours walking around that parking lot, meeting fans, talking to fans, chatting with families. You know, it was just so sweet and nice for the second time in a row. I, I've mentioned this before. Kansas City is the only ballpark in America where every single fan not entirely true, but where the majority of fans, where 80% of the fans, where a large percentage of the fans stay until the final out. The eighth inning exodus does not happen at Kauffman Stadium, in my experience at Kauffman Stadium, but it happens in every other ballpark, including Wrigley, including Bush, including Copa. It didn't happen at Wrigley the other day. It happens at Wrigley. It didn't happen the other day when that's, we were there. We were that's just fine. there. That's, it didn't that, happen. That's fine that it didn't happen. I'm just saying that it does happen. Okay, that's possible, sure, but I'm just saying your most recent experience. That's fine. Yes, that's fine. So I'm just cite Wrigley after you just were there. It's and it all didn't it's all 29 teams suffer from that 
But the Royals fans, let me say something nice about the Royals fans, please. Yeah, but don't slag off on Wrigley. I'm not slagging off on anybody. (laughs) With the Royals fans, they are truly amazing people. And what I love about the Royals fans is the kids. The kids at Kauffman Stadium. There's a reason why I say the Kauffman Stadium is the best park for kids under the age of 10. It's not, I mean, maybe it's a chicken or the egg type of thing. Maybe it's because they have so much uh, great uh, uh, activities for them to do that more kids come out. But we were sitting in front of a couple of young boys last night who were, they made the game a thousand times more fun for me. They were just yelling, let's go Royals. And they were yelling for Moustakas. They were doing the moose chants, the moose. They were yelling for uh, Hosmer. They were just really, really fantastic. And um, I just want to thank Kansas City for that. You know, yes, do I get annoyed by their fans online? When I'm emotional as a Tigers fan, do I get annoyed because, oh, I wish the Tigers could be winning? Of course. I'm never going to deny that. But you sort of did. So here's my whole thing. Please go ahead. You've been saying you even put money on the line. Of course. That's, a, that's me that, being a baseball the fan, Tigers though. Tigers are going to win the, the division. That has nothing to do with anything. Why wouldn't I put money on the line for my Tigers to win the division? That's, that'd be... Of course I would. I want, them, I want the Tigers to win the division. I yeah, want them to la- win the World like, Series every year. The last few years, if I had put money on the line that the Cubs would win their division, I would have been an idiot. I'm not saying you're an idiot, but just because you want to doesn't mean it's a good bet necessarily. I still have faith in my Tigers. I fully, 100% believe they're going to win the division. I don't think it's a dumb bet. And I think it's ridiculous that you think that it is. That's fascinating to me that you think that it's a dumb bet. I don't think it's a dumb bet, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good bet. That's why I bet against you. That's fine. I, so. I, I have I have one I am I am a positive baseball fan. And these, I do not abandon my boys when they go through a little bit of a struggle. Yes, has up until this point in the season, when you guys listen to this episode, we will see. It'll be a, a while from now. But it's at right this point, the break that we're yes, as we were recording this, the all-star break will be happening in a couple of days. And are the Tigers going through some struggles? Oh, my goodness, yes. Have the Tigers gone through some struggles every single year that they've been good? Yes. Do Does every baseball team go through this? Yes. I have the utmost confidence in my Tigers that they will be there in the end. I have no idea if they won the division. And if the Royals win well, the division... Whether you, but my point is you bet that they will win the okay, division. Okay, that's so okay. you're putting money on the line, so yes. that means you believe that it's going to happen. Of course I do. Okay. I, well, I believe and I hope... And I want, it's also, it's a $20 bet. If I, it's not like I bet, it's not like I bet $50,000. Like it's $20. It's, I can, I'm okay with losing $20. I will be sad about it. I will be $40 actually. I will yeah, be, yeah, bet Jimmy, Jimmy and, and Anthony. So I'll be sad about it, of course, but I won't be any more sad about losing that money. If I didn't lose the money, I'll be sad about the Tigers losing. But just because I'm sad about the Tigers losing doesn't mean that I have to, I mean, you've seen me with uh, with our friend Barbara, with my friend Barbara in San Francisco. The San Francisco Giants embarrassed my Detroit Tigers in the World Series in 2012. And I adore Barbara and Adela, and I love talking to her about the Giants. And I was excited for her last year when the Giants won the World Series. But meanwhile, five minutes ago, we're on the highway. Somebody has a San Francisco Giants. <laughs> I did say boo. <laughs> so and, I, and privately, whenever we talk about any baseball and the San Francisco Giants come up, you slag on them. No. You do? Absolutely not. That is a lie. It's not a that lie. That is a bull-faced lie. I adore Buster Posey. I adore Bruce Bochy. I'm not, I ado- I'm not talking about individual Giants. I'm talking about the idea of the Giants winning World Series. No. You, you I know. say I, I'm fascinated by no. no. 
What do I always say? That the the the, the this this era of the Giants is one of the most fascinating teams to me. I've ever seen that in 30, 40 years, I cannot wait for the books that are going to be written about this current generation of 2009, not great. 2010, win the World Series. 2011, not great. 2012, win the World Series. 2013, not great. 2014, win the World Series with a lot of the same core group of guys with the same manager. That is, as a baseball fan, I am utterly fascinated by that. And I cannot wait to learn more about why that happened. Of course, I get... I don't. I think you need me to either be hating something 100% or loving something 100%. I don't think you want me to have any type of nuance in my ability to simultaneously be annoyed by someone but respect and appreciate and love them. And I can do that. I can absolutely do that. So have I said negative things about the Giants? Of course. I say negative things about the Tigers sometimes. I say negative things about myself sometimes. But ultimately, I try to look at the good in as much as I can if I can. Do you disagree with that? I don't know. I think that you let yourself off the hook from being as much of a fanboy as you are. I think you try to pretend like And I think you want me to be a bigger fanboy than I am because you're such a big fanboy for the Cubs and you want to connect with me on that level. I think you are a massive fanboy for the Cubs, which is awesome and I love it. What have I always said about my, my tour? I started as a Tigers fan, I ended as a baseball fan. That's not a line, it's the truth. I genuinely feel a connection to every single team in this in in baseball. I and, I, and we've talked about this too. I do too, and yeah. as, as well as in part because of fantasy, which you refuse to do because yeah. you say you also can't root, which is all like belies what you just said. Because you're a fan, if you're a fan of baseball, to me, you can also play fantasy because it helps you be a fan of all teams and all baseball. It's hard for me to root against. It, it'd be hard for me to root against. Um, on a regular basis, it would be hard for me to root against players playing against the Tigers. It would be hard for me to do that. I, When the Tigers are playing for those nine innings, I want them to win very, 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 very badly. The millisecond that game is over, I've come to terms with being able to not be as, like let the games affect me the way they did when I was a little bit younger. But for those nine innings, there's zero chance that I'd be able to root for someone else to have even if we're winning 10 to nothing and then i got a guy on the other team that's on the fantasy on my fantasy i don't want, i want him going over five with strike with five strikeouts that's just been the way i've been during the game i cannot root against my own team if my team loses i can process that and eventually feel good about well i, I was we, we discussed i think on the jimmy pardo episode the panda incident in 2012 in the moment, oh my God, did I mega load the Panda. And it was just, you know, the, so uh, Pablo Sandoval hit three home runs against the Detroit Tigers in the 2012 uh, World Series and won one game. And in the moment, oh my goodness, did I just want to crush his little head. But <laughs> as soon as that, little. I know, but as soon as that game was over, I was like, wow, how amazing is that for Pablo Sandoval? What a cool moment for Pablo Sandoval. For the rest of his life, he will have it, you know, four people have hit three home runs in a game. Albert Pujols, Reggie Jackson, Babe Ruth did it twice, and now Pablo Sandoval. No matter what happens in Pablo Sandoval's life, you'll never take that. And that, I truly think, is awesome as a baseball fan. Do you think that I'm lying about that? Not at all. So I, I think that I have a very complicated relationship with baseball. I think that's that's a more accurate way to describe. So it goes back to, though, when you're like, 
I'll cheer for the Royals if they yes. win the pennant. Yes. No, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say I'd cheer for the Royals. That's what it sounded like. Oh, God, you're no. Like, you're like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be happy for the Royals. No, I say I understand why people, like why, why a fan base, your contention was that you didn't understand why, or not understand it, but you, you saw that they didn't end with the World Series, they ended with the pennant. My thing was, I remember how excited I personally was when the Tigers won the pennant. So I can put myself in a Royals fan's head and for the Royals to win the pennant, how excited that is. I'm not gonna be excited if the Royals win the pennant. Are you kidding me? I'm not gonna be excited at all if the Royals win the pennant. I'm gonna be very, very sad if the if the Royals win the pennant. That will make me a sad, sad little boy. Okay, but I go back to this other thing that you, you claim to be a baseball fan. Yeah. First. Sure. Last year, you know, my Cubs had no chance of making any playoffs. Yes. As a baseball fan, when they went on their run, it was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen as a baseball fan. But now you're now, but now you are basically making it sound like every baseball fan has to have a similar thing. So for me, what, what made me did excited? I, did I say that everyone has to? Well, no. I'm so well, for so for me as a baseball fan, I didn't care about that. That was lovely. That was nice for them. But for me, what I liked about last year was two things. One totally selfishly, I actually predicted the San Francisco Giants to win the World Series in spring training last year. And that's the first time in my life that I've ever actually gotten one right. So I was genuinely, that's really what I was like, hey, come on Giants, make me right for once in my life. So that was kind of cool. My relationship with Barbara had been developing in a way that her and I were texting all the time about the Giants. And so that was really, I was really excited for her. And I was really, it was really fun for me to chat with her about that and to see how, I mean, if I had a Royals fan in my life that I was friends with, maybe it'd be different. But I had a Giants fan in my life and it was really kind of cool to watch her experiences through her eyes. As a baseball fan, as I said, I am utterly fascinated by this Giants franchise. And so the fact that they did win it again in 2014, to me is more fascinating than the Royals stuff that's happening, which is, Awesome, oh, very fascinating as well. But for the way I process it, 50 years from now, I'm gonna be thinking about this Giants dynasty a lot more than I'm be thinking about the Royals playoff run. Um, just because it is, I don't get it. I don't understand how they're doing it. I don't understand how with the same core group of guys, you can be so good and so bad for so long. You know what I mean? Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my, I think that's, that's where our, our, our disconnect happened, where I, I did not say that I would, I would root for, and please listeners, if, if I did, I apologize. That's not what I meant. Um, I will, I, I don't want to make it appear like I would cheer for the Royals if they won the pennant. I might, if it's a good baseball story that I like, but. Last year was a great baseball story. I've had a better one. In my my the, for me, they both were great stories. They're yes. both they're, they're both great stories. Yeah, but you can't. For me, like I said, in the moment, once again, in the moment, I need to be able to root for one or the other. After it's over, I can appreciate it. The Royals one, I wasn't able to appreciate until honestly, probably just last night, because of the uh, uh, because of the reactions of the interwebs because of the all-star voting stuff, because of what I perceive to be some obnoxiousness in some of the the uh, articles and, and and things written and some, some of the fans online. But as I just said, I admit that I am wrong. I admit that I was wrong to, to judge an entire fan base based on a small vocal minority. And I am back to now saying I really, really love the Royals fan base. They are truly fantastic. Um, so I'm, I'm able to admit when I'm wrong. Okay. 
yes, to some degree. I think you uh, also are good at obfuscating the points I'm trying to address at the same time. You, you bring up a lot of other surrounding things that aren't necessarily directly about what I'm talking about. But that's that's, what do you, that's so, so, so let's just put a put a button on this and let's figure out what exactly it is that I am not answering directly. So I want to answer not, directly. Not, not not answering, but like in the moment where you literally, it was just a funny thing when the words about, I don't remember how you stated it, but when you're talking about the future of the Royals and them winning the pennant, it was literally like your tongue got tied. And I found that kind of funny. And like I was an talking about way of like, it's hard. Oh, no, 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 The Royals winning the pennant. That is once again, that is your armchair psychologist trying to be inside my head. Get, you know, that's I just get excited sometimes talking about baseball and I get tongue-tied. Regardless of what it is that I'm talking about, I get a little tongue-tied. I think that you heard my talking about the pennant as if I was saying I want the Royals to win, which I did not say that. Um, whatever. I, 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 I would not be happy if the Royals won the pennant as a Tigers fan, as a baseball that's fan. That's all I wanted to, that's all I've I, never said anything different. I've cut, never said anything it, different. It, it, we will go back and listen. I'm gonna, yeah. you know what? As we're driving, I'm gonna figure out a way to go back and make you listen to it. Cause you got your own little narrative in your head that you want me to fulfill. And it ain't there, brother. I appreciated that video. <laughs> that's where this is all coming down to. I appreciated them ending that video at their hall of fame with the pennant because I know how exciting it can be to win a pennant. And I am very happy for the Royals fans that they were able to experience that pennant. That is very, very cool for them. Um, and I don't think that they needed to end with the World Series. That was my point. And then 20 minutes later, we got on this crazy topic. So we just spent a lot more time talking about Kauffman Stadium than I anticipated. We're going to take just a brief break so that Anthony and I can tell you about our first giveaway. I have a 2016 baseball stadium's wall calendar for sale through TF Publishing. They're available at amazon.com, calendars.com, as well as your local Meyer Big Lots, Stop and Shop, and more. I'll include all this info about how you can purchase one of my uh, calendars at my website, roundingthird.net. But for now, Anthony has a very exciting announcement to tell you all about. So uh, we're gonna have our first giveaway. It's a giveaway contest here. It's very simple. Uh, we are always looking for more trivia questions to ask our our guests for the for the game that we play at the end. Um, so if you have any cool trivia questions about your favorite team or about any team that you love or anything, send them to us, please, at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at clubhousepod, and we will look through those and if we wind up using one of your questions we will give you a free signed wall calendar and it will be signed by Manish who was the photographer he will sign the Detroit Tigers Comerica Park picture and I will sign the Wrigley Field picture because I am a diehard Cubs fan so send us your questions please and uh, good luck if you are a new listener to the Clubhouse podcast welcome for more great baseball conversations take a look at our archives like our chat with the hysterically funny comedian, Jimmy Pardo. Jimmy is the host of the Never Not Funny podcast and one of my comedy idols. In this clip, Jimmy discusses being in attendance to witness his beloved Chicago White Sox defeat the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim to win the 2005 World Series. It's so funny, we all converged behind the first base dugout up on the concourse. It was like, we all sort of like, we gotta get down there because we had club seats. Mm. And so, which were great seats to watch the game. It's like, 
well, we can't celebrate up here by ourselves. We got to yeah. get down there. And it seemed like everybody had the same idea. So we all kind of were like behind the first base dugout up on the concourse. And then as soon as they won, we all ran down, yeah. you know, trying not to get punched by sure, Angels fans. Sure. And, uh, you know, the team was all coming out and, you know, running around and shaking up the champagne and all that. And it was, um, to me, it was a great day because I live here. Like, what are the odds that I live yeah. in the city where I get to watch my team clinch yeah, to go to the World Series? Like, I didn't have really to go special. anywhere. I just, it, it happened in my backyard. Yeah. Before our game at Kauffman Stadium, Anthony and I spent a couple of hours immersing ourselves in baseball history at the Negro Leagues Museum. It was a profoundly moving experience that I cannot recommend highly enough. When you make your visit to the city one day, make sure you carve out an afternoon to explore the magnificent baseball that came out of such a dark time in Major League history. We now take you to our discussion on the Negro Leagues. So we just spent a lot more time talking about Kauffman Stadium than I anticipated. What we really needed to talk about on this episode was our surreal experience at the Negro Leagues Museum. Surreal? It was surreal for me. What do you mean surreal? It was being surrounded by the sadness and the joy simultaneously of the the Negro Leagues put me in a very weird headspace. Does that make any sense? You look perplexed. I look perplexed because it, yesterday you talked about how, uh, like, how it, you, you expressed that it left you feeling very positive. Exactly. That's what. I, that's that's that, the surrealness. That's, that's a weird headspace for you to feel positive. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just confused. It's a weird headspace of. I'm more talking about our different reactions to the the Negro Leagues Museum in the sense that. Well, here, I don't want to speak for you. How did you, we'll get to this in a moment. How did you feel about your experience at the Negro Leagues Museum? It was very powerful. Um, and it was, there was a lot of, uh, I mean, anytime I'm like looking directly at the terrible history of racism in our country, it's always profoundly upsetting. Um, and yes, it was also inspiring that, that so many men and in case, you know, in the case of like the woman who co-owned the Newark Eagles, women came together to combat that in a very, very positive and uplifting way. That's, that's inspiring, but it's always still incredibly depressing to look back and see it's not that long ago <laughs> that our country had those ridiculous signs and places like hotels and restaurants and cafes and bus stops and train stops and almost everywhere in certain places, whites only, coloreds here. That is an incredibly upsetting thing, no matter how many times I've seen it in my life, to be confronted with it again is very, very upsetting. So, and, and after having been in Cooperstown and seeing the history of baseball in front of our very eyes and all the incredible accomplishments of those, all those men throughout the ages who played baseball, and yes, the, the new, so many of the Negro League stars have been retroactively inducted into the general Cooperstown Hall of Fame, which is a good thing and, and a worthy thing and an important thing, but it still underlines even more so that the, the decades of all of these incredible accomplishments of all these white men would not have been the same accomplishments. It's impossible that they would have been. 
because they weren't facing Satchel Paige, because they didn't have Josh Gibson hitting 70 home runs in a season, because they weren't facing teams that went, what was it, 82 and four? I mean, and who knows what would have happened? Like there's, you know, it's all alternate reality stuff, but at the same time, they just were not facing the same kind of level of competition. So all of that combines to be kind of intensely upsetting and at the same time, yes, affirming and powerful and to see that in the 70 or so decades or what was, what's the math? Jackie was 40, 47, 47. So yeah, almost 70 decades since then or seven decades, 70 years since then, almost 68. Um, that yes, so many black and Latino players who wouldn't have been allowed to play have since gone on to be amazing players that they always would have been. Yes, of course, that's important and great. And we've made all that progress in that time, but it still can't ever erase the injustices. So I was left, you know, with a very powerful experience of both those things being the, the duality of both those things. And, and so I was like, uh, I mean, it, uh, you know, there was a lot of sorrow in it. And there was also a lot of, there was sorrow and joy. There was both. Beautifully said. And I could not agree with you more. And I think with the thing you were alluding to about my reaction to it, that's why I wanted you to kind of, the surrealness that I was referring to was just kind of how we processed our experiences at the Negro League Museum. Because you are not, that is a very accurate and, and beautiful way of putting how I would hope a lot of people would feel going to the Negro League's museum. And for me, as you mentioned, I truly did feel very, I, I felt almost, there was some sadness that I felt, but I felt really mostly joy walking through that museum. And I was thinking about it a little bit last night about why we had such very different uh, experiences where mine was almost exclusively joy and yours was not exclusively, but more so, more towards looking at the weight of these ridiculous injustices. And I was thinking about how the fact that my entire life, while I in no way, shape, or form have lived even a fraction of the life that that people lived in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and earlier, uh, as far as just racial injustice, I have at least always been aware of it every day of my life, everywhere that I go, that I am different, and that I don't really belong in a lot of the places that I'm at. And so I've thought about, I think about this, I'm not gonna say every day of my life, but multiple times a week, I think about what life was like as you mentioned, not that long ago, and that there are currently people that are alive right now. There may be your, hus uh, your, your fathers, your grandfathers, your uncles, your aunts. There are people, as you're listening to this right now, that live through it, that remember either being hosed or being banned from certain places or not allowed entry in certain places. There are people that, are, that were alive that these massive injustices were thrust upon them. However, for me, what I loved about this museum is the pure, unbridled, perfect joy and love and accomplishment and just amazing baseball that came out of this hate and that came out of this anger and this came out of this ignorance. You know, you're talking about the clowns of baseball. There's some great sections about these guys uh, who, much like the Harlem Globetrotters in basketball, kind of had a, a comedic 
uh, time on the field, you know, smoking a cigar on the field and throwing balls randomly and pantomiming different, just, you know, having joy. Watching 40, 50,000 seat stadiums packed to the rafters of black fans cheering on black players. Seeing the posters talking about Dizzy Dean versus Satchel Paige like it was an old WWF WrestleMania main event. It's coming in, you know, the barnstorming of baseball doing these exhibition matches. It's just the pure... I said, I, I wish to God I could have been in a Negro Leagues stadium. I wish I could have seen what it was like to watch the game in that atmosphere where for those three hours or two hours or however long the game was, racism didn't exist. When you're playing there for those couple of hours... Yes, the reason why we're here is because of racism, but for those nine innings, who cares? For those nine innings, I am watching amazing people do amazing things. And it did, it just felt, it, it, it was amazing. Watching or, or looking at some of the old clips, listening to Buck O'Neill talk. Buck O'Neill, we heard talk actually more at, in the Kansas City uh, video than we did at the Negro Leagues Hall of Fame. But there was a lot of great uh, uh, there's a great James Earl Jones uh, narrated video uh, called, uh, I think they were all stars, I believe it's called. Just so much great information. I honestly probably would need four or five more days to fully process everything that's in there. The only, I think the only criticism that both Anthony and I would have is that uh, you might need to have someone proofread some of the the captions and some of the the descriptions on on the the uh, uh, installments there because a lot of typos at the Negro Leagues Museum, a lot of typos. Um, but I mean, does that make sense to you at all of, of what I was saying, Anthony? Yeah, it's not. It, I'm not disagreeing with anything. Sure, no, 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 I didn't think you were. I just it's it's. And yeah. I felt I felt those. I felt that sort of hope and joy also. Um, well, I'm, I'm and, sorry. I didn't mean to, I to that, imply that you didn't. And I know that we have come far, like I said, but it's still, you know, being in the presence of that still is uh, very saddening that yes. that existed for as long as it did. I and, do not disagree with that. So, and at the same time, there's the, the I'm sh- I, to, to believe the words, the spoken and written words that we heard the, the Negro Leagues players talking about their experience, I think they had a similar experience of both sadness and joy. Oh, God, I can't imagine what it would have been like to actually be... Well, I mean, look, Josh Gibson died of a broken heart. He died because they took Jackie over him. Josh, well, I, I know, I know. That's not, that's, I know. That's, that's, that's irresponsible. Of course it is. That's, that's, that's what I... There's no way to prove anybody died or broken heart. I think everybody knows I'm not being literal, literal Larry. I think that Josh Gibson dealt with profound sadness. I think that Satchel Paige dealt with profound sadness. I think that Jackie dealt with profound sadness. What I'm just saying is that is that what I how I processed the Negro Leaks Museum for me personally. Once again, this is my experience. I don't expect anybody else to replicate my experience. This is why I use the words word surreal. I did not expect myself to have this experience was so much more joy than sadness. You saw when we went to the Underground Museum in Cincinnati uh, before our Reds game, that messed me up. Like that was that that the I was Railroad Museum. What did I call it? The Underground Museum. <laughs> hey, it was the it was a cool underground museum, folks. You know, you know, you gotta uh, knock on a sewer door to get in. It's pretty cool. No, but it's the it's the Underground Railroad and Freedom Museum. Um, 
I was wiped. I was drained. Like I was, it made me incredibly unhappy and sad and off. But like I said, that's why. But for this one, it didn't. Even though we're talking about equally horrifying times in our, our nation's history, I just felt nothing but happiness. I just felt nothing but look at how awesome these people were. Look at what they were able to do. I, 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 for whatever, maybe it was just the day. I don't know. But I think you and I could both agree that we highly recommend that everybody listening to this podcast visits not only Kauffman Stadium, but honestly, you got to come to the Negro Leagues Museum. I mean, it's just, it's, they do a, a, a fantastic job of telling a, a story of a very important time in our nation's history. Let's face it, baseball got integrated before the Army. Baseball kicked off integration. Baseball led the way in this country to, you know, at least making some sort of inroads between the racial communities. And that's, yes. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended it uh, a little bit heavy there, but I think that sometimes we got to get a little bit heavy. You know, the Negro Leagues were, were I don't even know. I just say, this, this is what you do to me. You get me in my own head. And uh, sorry about that, folks. The, there's a police. I get you in your own head? The police officer is uh, making people drive very stupidly. Hey, folks out there, when there's a cop on the road, you don't have to slam on the brakes and, and, you know, make life difficult for everybody else. He's a cop. He understands that we're all driving the speed limit. Any other moral lessons for our listeners? What's <laughs> happening? What's going on? I don't know. We might, we're probably going to cut all this out. Uh, <laughs> so, Anthony, any final thoughts on the Negro Leagues Museum? I think we said it all. I No, I, I think we said it all. Okay. Go, I just did. Go. Go. Get yourself there. You want me to end it? Okay, hold on one second. Fuck. You suck. Here we go. I think you, I think you did it. I know, already. so I'm, I'm, I'm putting a button on it because we the, the cop thing is going to fuck up the button. So ultimately, I think that you and I had a, a really, really great time at the Negro Leagues Museum. Uh, we would both highly recommend that everybody go check out the Negro Leagues Museum when you're in Kansas City. Uh, we also, Kansas City's got a couple of great uh, restaurants and and uh, kind of a cool little art scene there. So KC is a cool place for, for you folks to visit. And Kauffman Stadium is fantastic. I There's very few, if any, negative things that I can say about it. So ladies and gentlemen, the next time that you will hear from us, we will be on the road to the All-Star Game. I'm very, very excited about this. Anthony, are you also excited about going to the All-Star Game? I am very excited about the All-Star Game. It's your first All-Star Game, it's is it not? first All-Star Game. It's gonna be fun. So we will uh, talk to you guys on our way to Cincinnati. So we'll see you next time here in the clubhouse. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion, so please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. 
The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse, located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are always hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is just the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, mention the podcast to get a free bag tag with any purchase. The Clubhouse is produced by Zach McNeese. The website and logo were designed by Ronan Jora. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.